All right, well, how's everybody doing this morning? Are you all glad you came to church this morning? That worship set wore me out, y'all. I'm, I'm dead. I'm, I'm dead already. That was uh, that's fantastic. Thank you, team. And, and welcome to all the little ones that are in here today. Uh, most of the time, I don't get to preach uh, when you all are in here. Y'all get to hear Donovan most of the time, but Donovan's last Sunday is next Sunday, so he'll be preaching then. Uh, make sure that you guys are here for that um, as we uh, send him up to Cincinnati with his brand new wife, Kaylee. And as you guys start the new next chapter of your life, we will miss you all so much. But uh, how awesome that is to see a young couple starting up their life man, and, and just a new chapter. It's awesome. So uh, uh, guys, today, if you guys notice, there are four chairs up here. And if you've been part of Catalyst since 2016, you understand these four chairs. There's a, it's, a, it's a thing called Four Chair Discipleship. And we're starting, uh, we started our series last week, introing it, about making disciples. That was Jesus' mission, was to make disciples. It was, not to, uh, it was not to do anything else. It was to make disciples, to redeem humanity by making disciples. And so uh, I, I like to do this every time I, I, I get a crowd around. I like this. So... Um, how many of you all, for the Christians in here, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and assume that everybody in here is a Christian. That's a wrong assumption, but play along with me, okay? For the Christians in here, how many of you all came to Christ because of a sermon in church? Like you, you heard a convicting message and the Holy Spirit hit you and you just, you know, that was it. Not many, okay. Um, how many of you all, because, because of a gospel tract, somebody handed you, maybe somebody on the street corner handed you a, a, a gospel thing and you read it and you, you were hit with conviction and, and that's why you're a Christian now? Not many. Okay, how many of you all are Christians today because of a Christian movie? Maybe you saw The Passion of the Christ or the Jesus film or something like that and, and you came to faith in Christ. We spend millions, if not billions of dollars on those every year, not many. Okay, how many of you all came to Christ because of Christian radio? You turned on K-Love and you heard their pledge drive, and I'm sorry. Uh, and and uh, how many of you all because of Christian radio? Not many. Okay, uh, and now, now here, how many of you all came to Christ because maybe a mass rally, you went to a Billy Graham crusade or, you know, Ichthus when it was back, when, you know, that kind of thing, if you were into that, how many of you all came to Christ because of that? Okay, not many. Now, how many of you all believers in Christ because a Christian that you know sat down with you and explained the gospel to you was an example, invited you into their lives, maybe a friend or a parent or a teacher or someone, and they shared the gospel with you, and that's why you're a Christian today. Let me see your hands. Look around, people. You understand how the gospel is shared. It, it is not, we are highly ineffective at winning people through mass media or through sermons, as important as they are. If I didn't think sermons were important, I wouldn't be a pastor. But how is Christ shared person to person? It's been that way since the beginning. It's always been that way. It always will be that way, okay? So um, the Institute for American Church Growth shows this. They asked 10,000 people what we just did in here. Check this out, uh, up, up here. Check this out. Um, uh, where they had an opportunity to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, 2% because of special need, 3% because you walked into church, 6% because of a pastor's influence. We pastors aren't doing so great, are we? Um, 1% because of a home visit. Somebody knocked on your door and 
Uh, 5% Sunday school, 5% evangelistic crusade, 3% maybe a special program, and 79% influence of a friend or relative. Guys, that's just the way it is. That is how people are one to Christ. Not through big, expensive things, it's just people sharing Jesus, okay? And so, how do we do it? We said last week that only about 10% of Christians will ever lead someone else to Christ. Only 10%. And that's responsible for 2.3 to 2 to 3 billion Christians on this planet. Only 10% of the church is doing that. Imagine if it was 20% or 50% of Christians led just one person to Christ. What would this world look like? All right? And so this is how we do it. This is how Jesus did it. Um, in John chapter 1, verse 35 through 39. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples, John the Baptist. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. So how do we win the loss? Well, there is a series of of stages to making disciples. And if you're in chair, chair one, you're lost. You don't know Christ. You don't have any relationship with Jesus Christ. Chair one is the lost. And this is what we're talking about. Jesus' invitation to chair number one, to people that are lost, was not to go out and make disciples. Jesus' dis, uh, disciples, uh, his, his invitation was come and see. That's it. Very low commitment. If we want to start winning people to Christ, we have to ask the first question that Jesus, make the same invitation Jesus did to the very lost people. Hey, come and see. Come and see. That's all you have to do. That's, that's, that's what Jesus did. Jesus knew that the, uh, that the best way for people to experience Christ was simply to see what he was doing. He invited them. You know, come, and, come and live around me. Come see my example. Come see how I live. Come see how God is glorified in my life. See my priorities. See the way I speak. See the way I interact with people. That, is, that, that was Jesus' first invitation. Now, the problem is, is that far too many Christians are terrified of that. They're terrified that people would actually see how they live. They're terrified to see how a Christian man would actually talk to his wife. They're terrified to see uh, if, if, if they had people following them around, where they would go, what they listen to, what they watch. What's that say about us? But Jesus said, come and see. You want to see someone who's, who, who is a believer? Come follow me. Okay, come see me. He's lived out a life that was faithful to God. He was an example to those disciples. See, these, these men, these first disciples, we don't think about uh, when Jesus called his disciples that they were in chair one. They were lost. They, didn't, they were not in church. They did not who Jesus was. They were not saved. They, they, were, they were chair one people, his 12 disciples, when he called them. Okay? All right? So how do we know what they saw? Well, John the Baptist has been put in prison by King Herod. You know, kings don't like it when people call them out. People in power. Imagine that. People in power don't like it when, when ordinary people call them out. And he said, listen, uh, what you're doing, your, your marriage is illegitimate. Can't have it. And so Herod put him in prison. And so uh, uh, John uh, sent his disciples to Jesus. And in Luke chapter 7, verse 22, so he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you've seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is proclaimed to the poor. So what does Jesus invite you to come see? He, he, he said, hey, this is what I'm doing, and I want you guys to see it. 
You know, I think one of the most amazing things that you can do, let's say that you're a Christian parent and your kids are dating. One of the best things you can do, parents, why don't you invite that boyfriend or girlfriend over to dinner? Men, why don't we let these young men that are dating our daughters or these young ladies that are dating our sons see how a Christian man leads his family in prayer around a meal? Let him see a Christian woman and a Christian man interact in a way that's pleasing to God, a way that's lovely and caring, loving, joyful. That's how you win people to Christ. That's how people see Jesus, okay? All right, so what does he invite you to come and see? The first thing he, he invites, he invites us to come and see is this, our own brokenness and sin. That's the first thing. Uh, Luke 17, 11 through 19, I love this story. This, this story is so America. It's just so America, all right? Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going on to, into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. He stood at a distance and called out a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. As they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? He said, then rise and go. Your faith has made you well. See, leprosy was a disease of the nerves that you eventually lost all feeling and, and fingers would fall off and toes. It was, it was a death sentence, you all. But the people didn't die immediately. They had a long time to think about it. And not only was it a physical disease, it was a, it was a social thing where, where you, had, you were not allowed to interact. You had to walk. Uh, when you walked, you had to shout out, unclean, unclean, so people would stay away from you. You were not allowed to touch people. You are not allowed to interact with people. not allowed to talk to people. It was, a, it was a disease. It was a separation. It was a death sentence. Okay. They were physically dead, emotionally dead, socially dead, spiritually dead. And people, that is us. Here's the truth. We're a bunch of lepers, y'all. Every one of us, before we know Christ, we aren't basically good people. I want to I cut through some lies that America's telling, especially young people. Young people, listen. This is, this is what America's going to lie to you. We are not basically good people that need a few tweaks Okay, and we, we tweak a few things. That's what society will tell us. We aren't people who just need to kind of clean up our language a bit or need to spend a little more time with our family or need to clean up our, our, our online habits. We aren't good people. We need to just fix a few things, okay? That's what churches have told us, undoubtedly, but that's basically putting Christianity as, as behavior modification, and Jesus has some great suggestions how to do things a little bit better. That's not, that's, not, that's not the message of the gospel. When Jesus invites us to come and see, when he invites us to come and see, the first thing we see is our own brokenness and our sin, okay? That's the first thing that we see is our own brokenness and our sin. When I was 12 years old in 1986, I heard the news about a terrible nuclear power disaster, Chernobyl nuclear power plant. How many of you all were, al were alive during the Chernobyl nuclear power plant disaster, okay? For those of you that, were not, that are not Gen Xers, the, you, you millennials and you Gen Zers and everything, Chernobyl was a nuclear plant and it had a meltdown and radiation spewed all over the town of Chernobyl and all over, uh, all over, um, all over that, that area. Well, the problem is, is the, the, uh, the, the amount of radiation 
uh, did something not just to the people, but to their children. It killed many people and sickened many more. One of the saddest results of the disaster was the effect it had on pregnant women. Many children were born with huge deformities, missing limbs, legs, deformed heads, etc. The, the, the problem is that the nuclear radiation changed the very DNA of the people, okay? Um, and, and the DNA was mutated, and the children, their fundamental and basic uh, levels were corrupted. You, you, you can't just offer these children a Band-Aid. You can't just offer them, you know, kind of wash them up a little bit. It's the DNA of these children that was corrupted. And now they're sick, dying, and deformed. And guys, that's what we are. We are children of Chernobyl. See, if you grew up in Chernobyl and everybody was missing limbs and missing, you know, had deformed everything, you think that's perfectly normal. That's just the way it is. That's all you've ever known. In the same way, when we look around at the world, we look at our families and their, their disaster and people are angry all the time and people are abusive and people are having all kinds of substance issues and everything, we just think that's normal because we've never known anything different. We are all Children of Chernobyl, and, and we're in a lost world. And the first thing, when Jesus arrives, Jesus shows us this amazing example, and all of a sudden, we realize how broken we are. Like, if you lived in Chernobyl, and everybody was missing limbs and everything, and a, and a normal person walked in with two legs and two arms and everything, all of a sudden, you'd be like, whoa, we're different than that guy. There's something wrong with us, something broken in us. And that's what happens when Jesus shows us. He says, come and see he shows us how off we are, how broken we are. That's the first thing he invites us to come and see. You know, guys, I am, I am so tired. I'm so tired. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again, of the line of Jesus hung out with sinners. Yes, he did. But he didn't hang out to chill and say, okay, it's all good. Jesus hung out with sinners the same way an EMT hangs out with a heart attack victim. He wasn't there to cheer them on or to cheer us on. He was there to save them. And so the next time you get this whole Jesus vibe going, that, oh, yeah, he hung out with sinners. Yeah, he hung out. No, 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 no. You might as well say an EMT's hanging out with heart attack victims. No, he's there to save them and to show them a different way. And if you present a different Jesus than that, you're wrong. Okay, I'm so tired of that. But anyway, when, when we see the perfect life he lived out in front of us, we realize how broken we are. And that's the first invitation. When Jesus healed these lepers, only one came back. Only one came back to say thank you. Isn't that so America, y'all? I mean, how many of us have been cleansed, been blessed? We have been saved. We've been redeemed. We've been delivered from all kinds of things. And we're not in church on Sunday morning. Man, we're everywhere. We're on the golf course, at the soccer field. We're sleeping in. We're whatever we're doing. And we're not returning to give praise back to God. That is just so America. Man, you weren't just cleansed from a life-ending disease. I just want to grab these nine lepers. You weren't just cleansed from a life-ending disease. You were, you were readmitted back into society. You, were, you have your family back. You can now date. You can marry. You can have children. All this stuff. And you haven't even said thank you. Wow. Talk about brokenness, you all. How much has God done for us and we haven't said thank you? Talk about brokenness. Okay, that's what broken people do. But isn't that what many Christians do? 
That's what many people are doing right now. When Jesus says to the one, he says this, he says, your faith has made you well. See, 10 were cleansed, only one was made well. So my question is, if you're a Christian in here, you may have been cleansed, but have you been made well? Have you returned to Jesus your praise? Have you returned, or are you still living in the same stuff that Jesus cleansed you from? Man, only one was made well. Being in Christ is more than just receiving forgiveness from sins, people. It's confessing your sins, repenting of them, looking at the perfect life of Jesus, realizing how far off you are, and saying, I want to be like you. Cleanse me. And not only that, after you cleanse me, my life is yours. That's what it means to be made well. Okay? So he invites us to come and see our own brokenness of sin, guys. That's the first thing. But he doesn't just leave us there. second thing he invites us to come and see is the glory of God. See, Jesus doesn't just show us how broken we are. He says, this is God's glory. This is what I want to show you. That's why I'm here. I want to show you how awesome God is. How many of you all really, truly believe God is awesome? I do. I mean, you can't walk outside in the morning or in the evening and see God's creation and not think God's awesome. Okay? I was talking with a friend of mine over lunch a few weeks back. He's basically a lapsed Christian, if there is such a thing. Uh, without sounding too judgmental, basically there's no difference between him and, and, and a non-believer anymore. Okay? Uh, I'll leave it at that, except for the fact that he claims to be a Christian. And he said something about going to heaven when he dies. Hey, hey you know, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to heaven when I die. And I thought to my, and, and I said to him, man, really, that, that's what you think being a Christian is? That's what you really think being a Christian's about? And he goes, well, what else is there? And I said, well, the point of the Christian faith isn't hanging around and just kind of living in this, this limbo until you die and going to heaven. It, you really think that's what Jesus is here for? I said, I mean, that's part of it. But it's about seeing and enjoying the awesomeness of God. That's what the Christian life is about, y'all. If y'all aren't doing that right now, y'all are missing out, okay? The Christian life is a, is a worship service to God. It, it, Jesus invites us to come and see that glory. For too long, you guys, we made Christianity about going to heaven when you die, and that's it. That's part of it. But Jesus didn't make that his selling point. He wants us to believe in him so that we can see God's glory, and his awesomeness, his grace, his mercy. People who follow Jesus, the people in chair one that actually came and saw, got to see. He got to see Jesus perform miracles. Gosh, can you imagine what that was like? Got to see him forgive sins. Got to see him love people. Got to see him heal the sick. Got to see, they only saw that after they decided to come and see. Okay, they had to take that first step, and then they could see the glory of God. So my question is, you guys, if you are not, if you have not decided to follow Jesus, look what you're missing out on, the glory of God. Man alive. However, the best part's yet to come. That's not even the best part, y'all. Y'all want to know what the best part is? Well, I'm glad because you're going to hear it. Here it is. The glory of God conquering your own brokenness and sin. He takes your own brokenness and sin, glory of God, and he conquers it. That's the best part, that you can walk out of here different than the way you walked in here. That when you encounter Jesus Christ, you can be different. You don't have to be the same way that the things that were passed down to you by your ancestors. If, you're, if your family has brokenness, if your family has addiction, if your family has divorce, if your family has all that kind of stuff, you don't have to be that way anymore. If you describe yourself as an angry person or a lustful person or anything, you don't have to be that way anymore because the glory of God can conquer your brokenness and sin. And when Jesus says, come and see, he says, I, wanna, I want you to see the glory of God conquering your brokenness. 
How awesome is that, y'all? Man, my own story is about the glory of God conquering my own brokenness and sin, y'all. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm standing here. Not because, like I said last week, I've got Super Pastor, which somebody sent me a T-shirt that said Super Pastor on it. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. You can see the picture in Catalyst Life. But I'm not a follower of Christ because I was wrong, and I knew I was wrong. I was on the wrong path. I'm not a follower of Christ because I saw the glory of God, as awesome as that is. I'm a follower of Christ because the glory of God conquered my brokenness and sin, y'all. That's why I'm here. Every week when I'm in, uh, when, when I'm, I'm in, 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 in interactions with people, whether it's in the jail or whether it's at Revive Life House or here or just in conversations with couples that need marriage counseling, whatever it is, I get to see, I get to see the glory of God conquering brokenness and sin. See, guys, the good news of the gospel that the glory of God, his amazing love, his amazing judgment, his amazing wrath, his amazing forgiveness, all that conquered my brokenness and sin. And the same grace that cleaned me up is available to every one of you. Everyone, Jesus says to come and see. But there are two things necessary that, that the first chair people have to see, okay? This, this is what, when we, when we invite people to come and see, if you're a Christian, you're inviting people to come and see, you, want to, you care about your, your, your family, you care about your neighbor, you care about your loved one, whatever, when you invite them to come and see, there are two things that the lost person, the person in chair one, needs from you. First one is this. They need this. They, they need a willing heart to follow God, okay? There's nothing you can do. We talked about that last week. If, if, that, if that heart is not ready to hear the gospel, there's nothing you can do. So if you, are a, if you are a lost person, you are a non-Christian, you need a willing heart to follow God. John 1.39, he says, come and you will see. And they went and saw what he, where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. See, guys, if you are not willing to take that first step, you'll never see it. You'll never see your own brokenness and sin. You'll just think you're, that Chernobyl is normal. That the deformity, that the brokenness, the anger, the wrath, the, the, the unforgiveness, the, the repeated problem, you just think that's normal. That's all you know, unless you come and see. But the, the, uh, the second thing is that follow, they, they not only need a willing heart, but from you if you're a Christian, they need a follower of God to show the way. See, I have a, feel, I have a feeling, you guys, that people know they're broken. They just don't know a way out. There are people that know that they're lost. They just don't know the way home. And they need someone to walk with them. They need someone who loves them, who cares about them, who will actually show them and be that example. Jesus was that to the disciples. The person that led you to Christ, like everybody said, yeah, that person was that person for you. Now the question is, they've passed the torch to you. Will you be that for someone else? Uh, what statistics say is that 90% of people in here will say no. 90% of people will let the gospel die with them. I'd like to change that. I'd like for that statistic to, be, to, to, to die in here. And I would like for that to increase. Okay? They, uh, when, 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 when Jesus invited them, uh, in John 1.35, says the next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he said, it's all about Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. Look, the Lamb of God. Check this out, you guys. This rings home for me as a pastor. I'm going to let you guys into the kind of 
I'm going to pull back the curtain in the world of pastors. You know how difficult it is for pastors to watch people that they've discipled go follow someone else? People that you've invested in go to another church. Uh, people that, uh, that you uh, just, just walk away. You know how tough that is? Well, what was John the Baptist? These were his disciples. And John said, they were following John. And he said, look, there goes Jesus. There he is. And his disciples left him to follow Jesus. See, guys, that's what we have to be willing to do. You're not following me. I'm going to introduce you. I'm going to say, come and see. And then I'm going to pass you on to Jesus. I don't want you to look at me. I want you to look at Jesus. And I want you to be better than me. I want you to follow Jesus more closely than me. Parents, say that to your children this morning. I want you to follow Jesus even better than me. I I don't want you to be like me. I want you to be like Jesus. And I'm going to pass you on. I'm going to point you to him. I'm going to point you to him every single day of your life. Parents, uh, spouses, friends, neighbors, there's Jesus. Look, the Lamb of God. That's what tear people, tear one people need. Those of you who are more mature in your faith, have disciples know how to get in Jesus, get to Jesus. John the Baptist pointed them there. So my question is this, those of you who are mature in Christ, those of you who have been, who are Christians, what are unbelievers learning from you today? What are they learning from you? What if, let's just, let's just uh, dream for a second. What if unbelievers were as faithful as you? What types of things, let's say that, that there were 10, God sent you 10 people that didn't know him. And they said, here, I, I, want you to, I want you to disciple them. And you passed on simply your faithfulness to them. What would their lives look like? Would they be followers of Christ? What are they learning from you? See, that's the call to discipleship. All right? question is, what are unbelievers learning from you today? When um, I've, got a, I've, I've got a challenge for everybody today. The summer is almost here. How many of y'all are spring and summer people? You know, I like it, okay? No winter, no winter people here, okay. Well, we have a challenge. Starting to be barbecue season. Starting to be mowing season. It's, 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 it's outside time, okay? And as the, I've, I've talked to this with the elders, and we are in agreement that the lockdowns, COVID, the pandemic, really changed something in our society. We haven't seen the issues in a long time. We haven't had lockdowns. We haven't had school canceled. We haven't had that. It's, it's been three years, y'all. But some of us, if not most of us, still are disengaged from people around us. We've chilled the love we have for people. We've disengaged from people. We don't hang out with people as much. We don't invite people over for dinner as much. We don't enjoy fellowship as much. Am I speaking the truth or am I wrong? So I say it's time to stop that. It's time for the church 
to show the way, to be the example of re-engaging with people. Because unless we engage with people, no one will come to Christ. And our job as the church is to bring Christ to lost people. Pull that, uh, that blue slide back up. How do, people, how do people come to Christ? How do they? Is it through mass media, is it through social media? No, it is through the influence of a friend or relative. So how about we start being influential? I've got a challenge for everyone. That you all will receive something like this. this Kevin, back there on the table. Hold, hold that up for me if you, don't, you guys don't mind. This right here. How many of y'all have ever played the lamest game in the world, tic-tac-toe? Okay, absolutely. Well, we kind of, thanks to JK, we kind of designed this. You are here. You've got neighbors all around you. Do you know them? Do you know them? Do you know their stories? Do you know their children? Do you know how long they lived in the neighborhood? Do you know what they do for a living? I don't. I've lived in my house for 18 years, y'all, and the guy who lives next to me, the only time I've ever seen him was out mowing the grass. Not a great time to talk. Hi! You, know, you, can't, you can't shout over a lawnmower. And I don't know, I've never spoken to him. My neighbor, y'all. I've spoken to more people in India than I have in my own neighborhood, and I have to repent of that. How about this, you all? Why don't we spend the spring and summer intentionally getting to know our neighbors, have a cookout, make a fire pit, invite them over, roast some hot dogs, invite them over for coffee, hear their story, meet them. They might be really nice people. And who knows? Who knows? Maybe, maybe their life is falling apart and they need a Christian. Maybe they need prayer. Maybe they are hungry for a church home. They just don't know where to look. Who knows? But we have to re-engage with our neighbors if we are going to win the world for Christ like we're supposed to as a church, okay? So it, you don't even have to go to another country. You can walk across the street, introduce yourself, take over a plate of cookies, say, hey, I apologize. I lived next to you for 18 years and I don't even know your name. Why don't you have some cookies? I'm Dave, by the way. What do you do for a living? Invite him over for coffee, engage. It's not hard, you all. It's really not. How is the gospel spread? Person to person. And so what if Catalyst, what if everybody in here, now obviously some of you guys live out in the country and, and you don't have neighbors, you have to preach to the coyotes, you know, that kind of thing. But those of you that live in, in, in places like me, what would happen if just one of these people, you're able to disciple and win to Christ? What would this neighborhood look like? And then all of a sudden they have their and, and you win this person, and they, and they win this person, and they have their tic-tac-toe board. What would the body of Christ look like if we simply did what Jesus said to do? And you don't even have to, you don't even have to do it. You say, come and see. Why don't you come to church with me? Why don't you meet my community group? Hey, we're grilling out tomorrow night. Why don't you come and see what Christian fellowship is really about? Come meet my friends. We're all following Jesus together. We're a bunch of messed up people. We don't know our, our, you know our feet from a hole in the ground. Come join us. You're as messed up as we are. Come on. It's not hard. Come and see. That's the invitation.
Man, if you, you, you did the, the tic-tac-toe board doesn't even have to be your neighborhood. What if, what if these were the, uh, this was your soccer team? You got parents, your baseball team, your kid's baseball team. Hey, we're having an end of the year cookout in my house. Everybody bring hot dogs. We're going to set a grill out in my driveway and we're going to block the street and cars are going to have to drive around us. Okay. I mean, I don't know, but guys, let's start engaging with people. Let's get rid of this wet blanket that we've allowed to set on us and our families and our relationships Let's, let's lead the way in re-engaging in community. Invite these people. Come and see. Come and see. Come, come eat a meal with me. See what a Christian man does when he prays for his family. Come and see. Come and see what Jesus has done. Let's make that our goal, you guys. This spring, this summer. Get to know every person. To your sides, across the street, live behind you. Get to know them. Get to know their story. Invite them over. Have a cookout. Maybe you have a 4th of July block party. It's coming up, right? Memorial Day is coming up next month. Invite everybody. And, say, and you might even want to say, I don't even know you, but you're welcome in my home. How many people need you? So everybody's going to get one of these on your way out. Travis and, my, and, and, and Kevin will be handing those out. Um, pray for your neighborhood. Pray, ask God to send you the person that needs, that needs you, the good soil, and then invite him. Come and see. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday. Bye-bye.